Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Bold Expressions. This mic just won't sit. Uh, we are joined once again by friend of the pod, Andre. How you doing, Andre? Man, I cannot complain on this day. How you been, man? I've been good, been good. Been slacking, so I'm just trying to get back in the in the thick of it, you know, doing things, trying to push out content. I'm trying to be like you, man. That's all I'm trying to do. I just see hey, you, I feel like I'm I trying to get like that man right there. Hey, I don't call it slack, and I just call it taking a break. Sometimes we all need to take a break, man. That is true. That is very true. Even um, was it Tony? He took a break starting at the beginning of this year, and yeah, I think until next month. So, oh, good for him. Good for yeah. him. I noticed that he wasn't on a few of the things that we typically watch, um, and I was like, okay, I I could see him. I mean, every once again, everybody needs a break, man. My wife and I, we were supposed to start season three of our podcast, and uh, it was in December, and, you know, we're planning and prepping, and then some different things came up, and I'm like, we don't have to rush this thing out. Whenever we're ready, we'll we'll start season three. We, we got all the things we're ready for. We just, now we got a space, carve out some time, but life happens. So, right. yeah. But yeah, that's the, that's the benefit of... Um being in charge of your own product you get to decide mm-hmm. when you put it out and everything and if you need to take a break just take that break and the people who follow you will still be there yeah you know and like whenever they're whenever you're ready like i see that a lot with a lot of people that i follow you know as you said life happens and you know there'll be a death in the family or they just need a break and you know always make sure to go in and be like hey take as long as you need to Mm-hmm. we'll be here when you get back you know that's it that's it indeed yeah because you can't you can't put out the content that people are gravitate to if you feel so um used up and depleted and sometimes you know get those as they say creative juices flowing but yeah mm-hmm. but no that, that's good um I wanted to, as I said before the, the show, I wanted to talk to you about, first off, I wanted to get, before we get into any other topics, I wanted to talk about what you're doing. Uh-huh. I know you just recently dropped uh, two uh, videos. And wait, what's the title? I, I saw real, but there was like te- there was like text over the other parts. So I couldn't see the second. Was it real projects or whatever? Yeah, so basically, um, since the core of my audience and the core of the uh the supporters they're all educators they're all teachers in some field most of them are k through 12 but i've been surprised lately that a lot of the college professors and deans have you know slid into the dm saying thank you for these resources so the majority of my constituents if you will are all educators who are using my resources in their platforms and so i'm i'm not your typical teacher I'm I'm the, the the kid in the class who was always watching movies. Uh, and then once when I had two kids of my own, every Friday night was movie night. And I'm sure, you know, there's so many of us who, who do that. Yeah. I got tired of watching Finding Nemo for the <laughs> 900th time. And I'm like, you know, clawing at my face, trying to, <laughs> trying to get through, even though it was Pixar, trying to get through the movie. So then I started looking at different clips inside of Finding Nemo and saying, you know, is that a teachable moment? Can I use that in my classroom? 
And then that opened up my eyes to a brand new world to watch these same movies over and over again. And so I call it the real lesson within, R-E-E-L, lesson within. And basically what we do is that we take a small excerpt of a clip of a movie, we pull out that clip, we watch the clip, and then we connect it to our curriculum, whether it be math, science, social studies, whether it be real life applications, how we can connect metaphors, you know, symbolism, however it may be. But how do you actually connect that in your classroom or if you're an administrator with your staff, with your leaders as a leadership? And uh, yeah, I've gone through three seasons of that so far. I wrapped up, uh, let's see, the first half of season four, which we're in now. And um, so far, so good, man. I'm enjoying this because I love movies anyway. But now I can see these movies through a different lens and continue to engage and connect with our students of today. Yeah, I think the, first of all, I think that's cool in general to be able to pull different things, um, different subjects from whatever you're looking at. Um, yeah. I like applying it to students because then it becomes a thing of there are no wrong answers is what you get out of it and how you can relate right. it to you so that way it could be like somebody could say well i didn't get that it's like well that doesn't mean that what they're saying is wrong it's all about mm -hmm. your individual um interpretation absolutely uh, and and it brings forth the conversation and i think that's why or that's how i've seen in the post high school grad level, I've seen them use that more because now I'm hearing a different perspective from the same thing we've just watched, but right. I'm hearing a different perspective. And now it causes me to pause, causes me to reflect, to see a different perspective. And now we can converse on it. So yeah, man, it's been, it's been real, real cool so far, man. So I, I remember doing this, well, it wasn't exactly like this. It was, uh, it was a little bit lazier on my end because I didn't have anything at the moment. And being the blurred that I am, I just took what I did have. I took an episode of Justice League and made a whole, it, it was ethics class. And okay. I wrote a thing about that. Uh, the episode in particular was, it starts off with Superman killing Lex Luthor when he's president. And it's revealed that this is an alternate world to where something happened and they end up taking over America, but under the guise of being like, we're taking over because you you guys don't know how to act. And so we're doing this and, you know, there's hardly, there's no crime, there's no anything. If there's villains, like all, like all of uh, Batman's villains, everybody in, in Arkham, have been lobotomized. Like Superman uses his heat vision and wow. lobotomizes them. And so they're all in Arkham and like uh -huh. Gotham City is is like clean and whatever. Um, and like, you know, they, the, and they end up calling them the Justice Lords. And so they go over to the other universe, the the one that, you know, we're following on the show and they, and they come back and they see and they're just like, well, their universe is the way ours used to be. So maybe if we go over there and take over, you know, and it does because of becoming thing to where they kind of become power hungry. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because two the two Batman are riding together. And it's like, it's weird to see him out in daytime. And the Batman from the universe we're following, he was just like, oh, he's like, I never thought I'd... He, he makes some comment 
And the other one goes like, yeah, you know, people can actually walk around and do whatever. And the, I'll just say the good Batman goes, yeah, I wonder how our parents would feel about people being so afraid. Mm-hmm. And it's the thing of like, everything is good, but you know, at what cost? And mm-hmm. like, there's a uh, earlier in the episode, Superman is talking to the president and the president is basically asking when they will allow them to start being able to vote for president again. And Superman gives him some excuse of, you know, we don't think it's the right time. And so my thesis was about basically at what cost, you know, are we willing, like how much freedom are we willing to give up for something that's quote unquote better mm-hmm. and and things like that. Uh, it, it was pretty good. I actually, I yeah. actually liked it. And so, you know, just that, just that concept of it. And I was like, I can make this work, but no, I, I really, I really enjoyed it. Uh, was it there was the Goodwill Honey one and then mm-hmm. there was the one from Night School. Yeah, I, those I, are the two that was yeah, yeah. just released. Uh-huh. Which I, I like the one on Night School. My only my only thing about that was more so the filmmaking choice. Cause they was playing some music in the background. I was like, this is actually a good speech, but this is so generic music playing with it. Like it takes away from the speech. Yeah. Like, but it was a good speech about, you know, learning who you are and being comfortable who who you are. And I put in the comments about how it reminded me of Will Smith when he talked about creating the fake wheel in order to protect the real one. Mm-hmm. And that's something that, you know, I think a lot of us do. And, and I think something that students will uh, gravitate to about, you know, the person who they project to others and who they really are. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe even some some teachers, you know, uh, a lot of times we have a different we have a different interpretation of ourselves than what may actually be than what we may actually be presenting. Like a teacher may yeah. feel like they they're presenting this thing and connecting with the students, but the students may feel a completely different way. And so I think that's that can be, you know, a, a good. A good. um avenue to discuss yeah uh the first one with your justice league man that would be a really strong introduction to conversation no matter what organization you're in classroom religious affiliation like you could really dig deep in there like show that video first or show excerpts of that video if you got to fast forward some of the action or the parts but get to like the meat of that of them after the lobotomy and and afterwards and then ask that question like are we really willing to sacrifice this for a better world and then allow the students allow the participants the watchers the attendees to start that discussion. That's literally what we do inside of the classroom. Um, I'll show that video, set it up first. Uh, Most times if I'm doing it like inside of a lesson, they've already got some pre-evidence of the lesson. We call it schema. So they already have some knowledge of what we've been learning about. And then I'll show that video. And then I say, you know, what connections can you make with this video and what we've been learning? Now, in the educational world, we call that text to media, what we've been learning, the text and connecting it to some form of media um, and just just give it to them. And then as educator or teacher or leader, however you want to name it, uh, you just sit back 
and you let them start discussing and just get to hear their their explanations. The funniest one I've done with these so far, I was inside of a classroom and we were teaching science. This has got to be like fifth grade, sixth grade. I can't remember what grade specifically, um, but we was teaching a science lesson, right? And I mean, I'm all in, we're all in, having fun, everything's going great. Um, and then one of the students, they was like, uh, Mr. Dowdy, watch Bob. And I was like, wait, what, huh? And it's like, yeah, this was on an episode of SpongeBob. <laughs> and then that student, you know, you know, of course, uh, in, in an urban school, if you will, uh, you know, everybody immediately start clowning them. Man, you crazy tripping. I oh, cap. You know, I mean, they really going right. in on them. They, they have, like, that, no, they have no, to no. act like they don't watch it. Yeah. There's like, oh, seriously, this is SpongeBob. So the student starts to explain the episode of SpongeBob. And while the student is doing it, other students is like, episode. And it was literally the exact same thing that I was teaching. So now me being me, we got to go and find that episode of the SpongeBob to see how it actually connected. And sure enough, man, it was the exact same thing. So I'm like, oh, man, I wish I would have known it then because then I could have used that SpongeBob as that opener, as that motivator. And so they can have that connection. Uh, that's the whole purpose of this, the real lesson within. Uh, on another note, I love doing this because sometimes some of our movies aren't as popular as other movies. Yeah. So everybody's going to watch Top Gun Maverick because everybody's heard of Top Gun. You know, that's generational. Not everybody has watched Bustin' Loose starring Richard Pryor. Yeah. So I purposefully try to find movies that everyone perhaps have never been, um, uh, you know, watched or seen or, or viewed, observed. To. Yeah. I, I want to do the exposure with it. Uh, one of the most controversial ones. <laughs> I did uh, straight out of Compton. <laughs> and uh, I was doing this for a set of educators. And uh, on, on this specific spot, the educators were more conservative in their thinking. Now, I don't know if they were all like on the political level of, of, of being a conservative, but you could tell that they were very it's got to look this way, straight this way, you know, this is bad, this is good. And so I'm setting up the conversation, man, and, and the conversation is just ripe. And I'm like, this is going to be the perfect video for that. Because we were dealing with grief, and we were talking about grief, and what does that look like inside of a school setting? Well, there's a, a clip of Straight out of Compton where EVE, where Dr. Dre's brother dies. Mm -hmm. And then the entire group rallies around Dr. Dre. And so I'm like, oh, yeah, this, this, here we go. Here we go. OK, guys, you know, we've been talking about how do we build community and build the culture in our school with our staff. And when, when grief hits, um, watch this video and let's let's pull some things from this. So I queued up the video. We push play and yeah, also, you know, tell them, hey, there's going to be some adult language. We're all adults. Right. Overlook the adult language, find the message. So I hit play. We're watching it immediately. You can see frowns and, and I mean, they were upset. But while the video continued to play, it started to go away. 
And now it's time to debrief. And you know, what, what can you lift up from this conversation? What can you connect to this movie? And a lot of them were like, I have never seen this movie because this movie just seemed bad. It seemed, you know, off limits. It's something I would never watch. But now after watching this clip, it really makes me think and consider. And then another one was a brave soul. And that person stated, I didn't grow up in the hood. You know, I grew up very affluent. And so I thought they don't think like me. They don't believe like me. They don't have the same morals as me. But I realized they go through the same trauma and PTSD like me. So here I am just smiling, you know, in the back of my head. You know, you got to keep the straight face and, and, and stay in facilitator mode. But I was like, this is the reason why I do what I do. Giving people an opportunity to have different perspectives and to learn. That's that's the real lesson within, man. That's that stuff. That is <laughs> soundboard. That, that could be putting a pause there. I wish yeah. I had. Um, uh, I wish I still had the, the the pages up. I recently, I want to say, did I even drop the episode yet? Um, of my uh, episode, yeah, I did. Of random thoughts, it was something about. Um, I don't know if you. Uh, or your kids may watch uh, Proud Family. They they re- yeah. I I just listened to that episode two two nights ago, one or two nights ago, and you're talking about the P- Proud Family oh, and uh, okay. well, how certain people yeah how certain people um, disagree with the content of the right. Proud Family now yeah yeah and it, and what you were saying made me think about what I talked about with Dr. King. He was like the the purpose of education is supposed to is not just to give information but to get people to think critically. And, and and just to and also morally and th- different things of that nature and when you said they want it has to look exactly like this and think about how stifling that is mm-hmm. to where like so if you think any anywhere outside this box even if you come to let's say the the problem has a more concrete answer even if you come to the the same conclusion because you didn't follow these steps then it's wrong. It's just like, well, maybe we should expand because the people who think more outside the box are the ones who in, you know, is as history has shown us, have been the ones to do the things that we, you know, think are extraordinary. Um, yeah. And believe it or not, that was one of the reasons. Okay. There's a lot of people who did not like No Child Left Behind. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of people right now who really do not like the modern math that is being taught in schools at whatever level, kinder through 12th grade. Um, they're, they're wanting just multiplication facts, solid answers, straight facts. Five times five should be 25. And then now all I need to do is memorize that. Um, but what they're realizing is that takes away the creativity and the critical thinking. Because now if I say, give me an array that equals 25, I could say five times five. I could say one set of 25, 25 sets of one. Uh, If I say, give me something that that equals 12 or 24, 
you know, I, I could easily go in all of the different factors to get to 24. I could say three sets of eight or three rows of eight. I could say eight rows of three. You know, I, I could say six rows of four. I could say two rows of 12. There's all these different ways to get to the same answer. Mm -hmm. And that's the critical thinking that we as educators are really trying to put into our students. And that is also the same critical thinking that we are trying to help our parents unlearn. Because when they were in school, it was do these 100 problems memorized. Right. And so it became a lot of memorization and not not actually learning. Like, you don't know. It's like, I don't actually know this. It was just drilled in my head to to remember it. And then once yeah. it no longer became something that I needed, I just deleted it out of my brain. Right. I, I know it because I memorize it, but I don't know why right. I know it. Like, I remember reading uh, my first year teaching. They were like, you got to teach them the, the 50 uh, state capitals. And I was like, huh? And it's like, yeah, you got to learn this from 50, nifty, United States. from. And I was like, no, I'm not doing that. Right. And I remember certain educators being mad at me uh, because I didn't want to teach the 50, nifty, United States. Who cares that I know what the capital of Idaho is? My students from the hood, they're probably never going. Man, there's... <laughs> Um, I, I'm in a generation and I'm sure, you know, slightly ahead of me to where we're looking at so much stuff. It's just like they drilled all this stuff in us. Yeah. That we do not use. Right. But we don't know much about taxes or stuff. But, that, but the part the part that they drilled into us was great for a foundation. Yes. Like we do need to know multiplication because that is a foundational thing. Yeah. You can't multiply fractions. You can't do taxes. You can't do budgets. You can't think you, you none of that. Those higher order thinking skills. You first got to know the foundation. Oh, so no, I'm, I'm OK with that calculus type of stuff to where it's just right. like you need this. And it's just like I, like I don't really it's like I, I get like I get the basic stuff. But this other stuff that, you know, yeah, for like I'm not going to be an architect because like I don't understand the point of doing this and and know. that's yet yet another reason why this critical thinking now is happening earlier mm -hmm. because like i was sharing with the math uh some math students once again i, I you know i i'm really fortunate to get to serve schools and get to visit schools and talk to teachers and i remember pulling up uh, I was somewhere in Atlanta and I remember pulling up to the school, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, these students frustrated in math class. They had to be middle school because they were learning about slope intercept. And so they mad and frustrated and they're like, man, I don't want to do this. And, you know, they unengaged, disengaged from the lesson. And normally, typically, when the students are not engaged in the lesson, that's where the behavior problems typically start. Right. So I quickly see them, and I mean, one of them got the Tim's on. Uh, some other one had like some some Jordan threes, and so that's my entry point to talk to them. Like I'm gonna slide in, 
first give them dap and some props on their shoes and the fit, you know, and then then build from there. So I slid in the room and the teacher recognizes me. You know, I got my visitor pass on. We're doing walkthroughs. Uh, for those who may not know, you have visitors come to school. The visitors kind of take a look around, uh, get a lay of the land, get to see some students learning. And then the teachers come to that visitor and then they discuss some things that they saw. So I'm in the classroom. And, uh, you know, once again, I, hey, man, them Tims, you don't got creases in your Jordans, dude. How are you not doing it? Like, I need to, you know, so I'm, I'm giving it to them. So that, they're instantly connected now. And I said, so what are we working on? She said, man, we doing this math. I hate this math. Man, this math is boring. This is dumb. I ain't going to never use this. And, and I mean, just all of the stuff that you've heard throughout our years of why am I doing this type of algebra? Why am I doing this, this upper level math? And so my question to him, uh, to them were, was, um, I said, you, do you have a backyard in your home? And they're like, yeah. So is your backyard flooded when it rains? They're like, yeah. So that's why you need slope intercept. And they say, like, wait, huh? I said, yeah, because like the backyard in, in the real world, they call it grading. And when when people first build a house or the home and even like your streets, I bet you if you go outside right now, you'll look at the street and the street will have a little curve to it, like a little triangle, something, because when the water runs, it's got to run downhill in some capacity. So the reason why you're solving for X here with the slope intercept, you've got to find the slope. So when the water runs off your house or your home and it hits the grass, if there's no slope there, it's going to flood. It's going to be a puddle. And it was like, wait, huh? And so one of the homies, you could tell one of the homies was chewing, man. Like, I blew his brain up, metaphorically. Like, man, I messed up his day. He was like, wait a minute. Wait, he started doing this. I mean, he was in it. So now I've got you hooked. And the teacher sees me, got this group of students hooked. And of course, those students look like me. You know, they had the natural hair, you know, they sagging in the pants, you know, got the fit. They don't, they got to sit down the perfect way so they don't mess up their clothes, you know. And I was like, yeah, this, this is why we got to solve for X. This is why we got to have the slope. And so I encourage you, fellas, when you go home to your homes today, go to that backyard and apply what we're learning here. Find those spots in your backyard. It doesn't have a slope and you've got to grade it. So you've got to lift one, one part up with dirt and it's got to have a runoff. If it doesn't have a runoff, the water's just going to sit and you're going to have mosquitoes. Exactly. So what I'm finding and what a lot of our educators are trying to do, it's a little more challenging because it's not memorization. It's more challenging because there's a longer return of investment on it than memorization. Memorization, what's five times five? 24. You're wrong. F, red check mark. Versus why do you need slope in this area for this time and how do you solve for it? It takes a lot longer. Um, but what a lot of our educators are really trying to do is teach that. But we're teaching it with grace and with the space because it takes longer to learn. Yeah. Um, and sometimes you don't see it on the test results. A lot of times you don't see it on the test scores. Sometimes students don't get it until one or two years later. 
And that could be math, that could be science, that could be reading, that could be just about any curriculum. Um, that, that's even technology. Think about all the times that we as adults tried to figure out something online. And we had that struggle moment where we had to go to YouTube and watch how they did it. So then we tried. It just, it just takes time. And that's the same with critical thinking. It, it just takes time. And I'm hoping that our educators and our parents don't give up on each other because this higher order thinking, this critical thinking, it, it's just going to take time, man. Well, you know what? I've, I've really gotten that concept more with Daniel mm -hmm. and with his IEPs and different things and just having a conversation even with the teachers and the principal and everyone is just like, you know, like my biggest thing is that the things that he's that you're, he's learning, there's no I want to say practical way you can put that in a test. Mm -hmm. It's like so he may actually know it, but he can't. Right now his issue is being able to show it on command. Like yeah, the fact that I asked him, he he's he's good at routines. Like when the time to go to bed, you know. He's going around, yeah. turn off all the lights in the house. He'll give a damn if you're in the room or not. It's just like you're uh -huh. gonna be sitting in a dark room. In the dark, yeah. Yeah, this is my routine. I love it. Yeah, I love it. And and different things were growing. It's like I used to sit in his room, and now he's just like when he when he knows he's ready to go to bed, he'll be like he'll get my hand, and he'll point to the door. I'd be like, okay. I was like, I'll I like I'll come back and check in on you, and I'll leave, and he'll put himself to sleep. Awesome. Um, this morning, I can't tell you the joy I felt when I was just like, did you get your, he always gets his lunch bag, he goes and gets his lunch bag, puts his book bag, I was just like, uh, and I asked him a question, I was like, did you get your lunch bag? And he pointed to his book bag. And I was like, instead of repeating what I asked him, which is what he normally does, I asked you a question and he gave me the answer. Mm. And just that, it's just, it's something that seems so simple, but it's just like, you apply what I was asking, instead of saying anything, you showed me this like, okay, and like, and I understood what you were saying. I was like, "Good job, Daniel. Yeah, you know, good job on that." And just different things, and just seeing how he applies different things. Like, I can't get to this, but I can move this and stand on this to get to here. Like for my room, I had it. You know, there's a lock. There's a little pinhole. You have this little little tool like this. To, uh, to unlock the door and mm -hmm. I had it sitting on the um the little border to the door I'm still not sure how he got that or what he did with the key I just remember coming down once and I saw the key on the ground I'm looking I'm like why is this like I didn't put this there so I put it back mm -hmm. I'm like he got that like I don't know how he got it or what he stood on to get it or what you know and just I love his problem solving I love and hate his problem solving all at the same time <laughs> because the smarter he gets and the more he figures out the more we didn't have to try to figure out okay how do we yeah that's my house I'm sorry I'm close to an airport forgive me um uh so just go over already we get a lot of fight it, it is interesting to see whenever because they test fighter jets uh, -huh. uh over at the Lambert Airport where I used to work at too. Like there's okay. a natural guard uh right right across the street from it. And a lot of times you'll see fighter fighter jets taking off and doing their aerial maneuvers, but that's cool. But no, but yeah, the, the smarter he gets, the the more we have to think about how to trick him and how to, you know, do different things, which is 
it's frustrating trying to figure out how to trick an eight-year-old. But yeah. um, but no, that that is that is great. And you know, as you say critical thinking. And I I think um thinking back to what you were talking about, your teachers, I think we as adults get in the mindset of once I got out of school, I stopped learning or I stopped having to use critical thinking for things. And I think a lot of times we can look back on things and um, get different perspectives on it. Um, and for a quick transition, um, I did enjoy what you were saying about the the one person who said, I didn't grow up in the hood, which I, I didn't as well, but they're just like, I didn't think that they went through the same things I went to. I didn't think they went. Yeah. And I was just like, and it reminded me of things we go through now of, the what what they call it you to other somebody they're over there i'm over here mm -hmm. so they they couldn't possibly understand and it happens on both sides which is annoying mm -hmm. and something that I, I i see so much um and and it's gonna go into this other topic the thing of uh teaching about history and different mindsets of if you can convince somebody that this other person isn't like you, then it's easier for you to do different things to them. And that yes. is something that we've seen throughout history. And we've seen history being challenged in so many different ways. Uh, we talked about the, the course in um, uh, Florida. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not even a regular course. It's an AP course for you know, students, you know, it's supposed to be like a college course and it's going to be talking about so many different things. Yeah. But Ron DeSantis in his bid to be Trump 2.0 is buckling down on anything that is not, which is funny with the last name DeSantis, he's buckling down on anything that's not straight and white. And anything that, you know, uh, and, they're, and they are consistent on this. And, and it goes to, once again, showing how much about education and misinformation no matter how many times they're corrected on critical race theory is not taught in any school outside right. of college like it's, it is just not something that is not taught right and is I'll, I'll give you one even better um i'm a black male i'm a black man in elementary mm -hmm. so we're unicorns in a way. When you yeah. think most elementary teachers, uh, I'm I'm so appreciative of Abbott Elementary showing that there are more than just white women teachers in schools. Oh, I was going to uh, talk about but, that show but, later on too. But no, go yeah, ahead, but most most times when you see when you hear elementary, you it, it kind of leans one way. And I live in Oklahoma, as you know, and yeah. had an opportunity to talk to some some parents here locally and they were like you know Andre how dare all of these schools teach CRT 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 and why are they teaching CRT so I asked them well what is CRT and then they said critical race theory how dare they teach critical race theory and my first question to them was what do it? you know how many acronyms there are in education and that was a soft layup. 
I'm giving you the ball really easy. You can make this score. And they said, huh? I said, well, yeah, you know, there's there's IEPs and PLCs and, and then there, you know, the ABCs and the one, two, three. You know, I tried to keep it jovial because I knew where this could have gone into a really heavy conversation. And one, I don't have the bandwidth to, to converse that heavy all the time. I, I just self-peace of mind i i gotta i create that space you know yeah. um but in this case i i share with them i say well you know you're saying that that oklahomans don't teach shouldn't teach crt in class and i'm telling you we do and her eyes got big <laughs> and i said yeah we we're but we're not teaching critical race theory we're teaching culturally responsive teaching. And she paused. And I said, in culturally responsive teaching is looking at your students, knowing the backgrounds of your students, knowing the morals of your students, knowing where your students have come from, what they like, what they don't like, their interests, their strengths, and then teaching to that. That's CRT, culturally responsive teaching. And that is taught nationwide. There are teachers who have done CRT training all over this nation. A whole bunch of professional development on culturally responsive teaching. And then I looked at her and I smiled and I said, I do believe that there is some miscommunication on which CRTs are being taught. Wouldn't you agree? And her mouth, you, you know, like on the cartoons, old school Tom and Jerry, yeah. where something amazing happened and the eyes said, and the tongue rolled out and fell on the floor. It was literally that for these parents. And I said, I have a feeling and I have a, I, I need you to go and Google this, culturally responsive teaching and learning. And I said, there's even talk amongst educators trying to reframe that acronym because a lot of our parents think it is critical race theory, another acronym for CRT. So I've heard C-R-E-D-U, critical, uh, I mean, not critical race, culturally responsive education. I've also heard C-R-T-N-L, they're, they're trying to do all these things to differentiate critical race theory, which is taught in in college versus culturally responsive teaching, which is taught in K through 12. And so afterwards, now that I, you know, I gave that information to the parents, um, they were quiet, man. They they had no comeback, no snappy comeback. They they couldn't argue it because they said, you know, here, here's my phone. <laughs> Let me show you culturally responsive teaching and learning. Let me show you how every school in America does this. Let me show you why we do this. And then I gave, you know, some examples of what I've seen in class where there are some students in the classroom who love to draw. And you can tell they have a gift in art. We're not going to wait until sixth grade, seventh grade, where art is an elective and they can take it. We're going to use that strength now in kindergarten or in first grade. You know, there are students who uh, are really good with technology and film editing, and they can do a TikTok video that fast. Well, we're not going to wait until they're out of high school or 
during their recess or on their bus ride home for them to make TikToks. No, we're going to use that TikTok strength and we're going to add that and throw that in some of the work that we're doing because we are being culturally responsive to their teaching and their learning. But it's not just the fun stuff like arts or technology. We have students in our classrooms who have come from Latin America. We have students in our classrooms who have come from Spain, and they have a wealth of knowledge. We have students in our, uh, our classroom who have come from the panhandle, and they get a different winter than us in the city. And we want to learn about that. Culturally responsive teaching and learning. And so the parent stood there once again, uh, and the parent said, huh, I didn't know that. Exactly. Now, I need you, parent, the next time in your group chat, you know, in your circles, your Facebook groups, your whatever, your churches, whatever it may be, I need you to share this same information to them because there's a disconnect somewhere, and the only way it's going to get fixed it's about conversations just like this. <laughs> and you know what? And that's, and I've noticed, and once again, I've noticed it with a lot, it's like there's so much conversation. It's easy to throw out. Um, a friend sent me a video earlier today, and it was this woman, uh, someone on the news, who was upset because someone who just recently had a sex change. Uh, I believe it was a trans woman was saying that they were happy to be to have a gynecologist, uh, gynecologist, and she was just like, "Well," and she was like, "I don't know why you have a gynecologist." And she went on about different things, like you know, you don't get to have an operation and then just claim everything that we have as women. And I was like, "You know what? I can see her frustration and I can understand it." However, I think there's more of a conversation to be had because, of course, it's one of those videos to where she's going and then there's somebody reacting to that. And they're, and they're just like, go ahead and preach. I was just like, well, you, you can preach, but also there's the other side of that conversation to have to that person to where the two sides can come to come together and have a better understanding of what's going on, what's being said. And I think a lot of times there's too, there's too many times to where there's somebody saying something, dropping some quick little phrase or whatever to a group or you know side or whatever that they would never come in contact with and so yes. therefore we never have a we never have a real conversation with mm -hmm. and and when i say a genuine real conversation i mean a conversation that's actually intended to learn meaningful yes right because i i would do this somebody will say something stupid and i'll fight the urge i'll be like well what did you mean by this and i'll be uh -huh. sure to put like i mean genuinely explain to me how you came to this and what you mean I never get anybody who is willing to go through. I've had a couple people who've gone back and forth and then, you know, it's it comes to the point where I'm just like, oh, you're just choosing not to learn or you're just choosing mm -hmm. not to understand because I've explained this thing. And when you reply back, you conveniently leave out everything else that I mentioned and keep going on your two, three points that's already yeah. been disproven. I was just like, okay, so... I've come to see that you don't genuinely want to have a conversation about this. That's okay. You be blessed. Have a good day. Yeah. But you at least need to have that conversation first 
and get that information because I would say like, I'm willing to say, hey, I was wrong about that or I didn't know this part of it of this. And so I can change my thinking. I don't know when, I don't know when we got to the point to where changing your opinion on something became a weakness on when it's just like, I had this opinion or I had this thought, I got new information. And so now I changed my thought. I would think that- well, I think that's where a lot of times um, I have sympathy for people who have grown up one way, only believing one thing, and then being revealed to a different new thing that may or may not be truth, and they struggle with it. Like, I mean, I'm a, I'm a church kid, born and raised church kid, all the services, all the week. I'm the musician, so I'm definitely doubly there. Right. All the time and raised up super church kid. Just, I mean, just, I remember the Bible drills, did the Bible stories, could tell it to you backwards, forward, inside out, all of that. And I remember us always going to the church services. So in my mind, yeah, I went to school, but school was just a temporary pause to all the church stuff. <laughs> and it wasn't until... It wasn't until I went to Langston University, an HBCU here in Oklahoma City, I mean, in Oklahoma, where in my mind, it was Baptist stuff. Whatever the Baptists believed, that's what the Baptists believed, because that's how I grew up, only hearing Baptist, 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 Baptist. Then all the homies from the other college, I mean, from Langston University, they were Pentecostal, cogent. And so here we are always clashing. No, I understand. Because this is how we were raised. And then I'll never forget uh, being a part of an organization. And once again, as a musician, you know, they ask you to play. And I went to a Mennonite church. Mm. And the uh, the director said, all right, I know y'all Pentecostal. I know y'all Kojic. I know y'all Baptist. But we're going to this this different church. And I just need you to sit, be quiet. And when it's our turn to sing and play, play it exactly as it is written in the sheet book. So here I am, Baptist is more blues, you know, blues style. Yeah. And I've played enough with Pentecostal Koji to know everything's upbeat and, and with the claps and, and you know, uh, and you got to follow dun, dun, with the hooping, like all of that. Man, I got to this Mennonite church, right? And we're sitting there and it is the quietest I've ever heard it. I'm like, ain't no church supposed to be this quiet in my head. But, you know, director said, don't say anything, just, just observe. And then it was the director's turn to sing. And she kind of gave me the eye, like, come on up to the piano. I get to the piano and uh, she gave me, uh, what a friend we have in Jesus. I think that was the song. And I, the way that I play it from the hood, we gonna blues and she gonna kill this thing with the run. And no, I mean, it was as straight laced as I've ever played it, literally just reading the sheet music, playing what was written. Uh, we finished the uh, the service. The, the sermon was great. The sermon, very practical and very quiet, like quieter than like a Joyce Myers quiet. I mean, just, just talking like this 
And today, brethren, we're going to finish it. And I mean, just quiet. We finished. People are coming up to us. That's the most beautiful rendition I've ever heard, I've ever seen, and da-da-da-da-da. And, you know, they're shaking my hand, and they're saying, you just played that so beautifully. And in the back of my head, I'm like, but we had no none of the flavor, none of the soul on right. it. And driving home, we're all debriefing, you know, of the experience. And then she said, that, that's, that's the difference. We've all been certain ways. But it's up to us to shut up <laughs> and listen and grow. And I took that to heart because. Oh, you were raised this way. You learned it this way. You grew up in this bubble or feeling this way or believing this politically or non-politically, whatever. But in order to grow, in order to get to that next step, in order to get to that next level, you're going to have to shut up and just play what's on the sheet. Yeah. And I thought that was the coolest thing ever. That's probably one of the top three best experiences for me um, as a musician playing the piano, just because it opened my mind to so much more that I had never, ever really considered. And I think that's the same way uh, with our students. I think that's the same way with us, just life in general. If you are a Republican, just shut up and listen. If you are a Democrat, right. just, just shut, shut up and listen. If you don't believe in uh, reparations or how the AP, you know, uh, American, African-American studies should or should not be a part of curriculum or wh whatever your belief is, just shut up, respectfully speaking, and listen to what the other people are saying. And that's the conversations and the communication that sometimes we overlook because we're too busy talking. Right. The other, I think the most, the listen is the, I think is the most important part. Because a lot of times somebody can shut up, but that mm -hmm. doesn't necessarily mean that they're listening. Right. A lot of times, we're shutting up and just waiting until the other person finished talking. And then, mm -hmm. and like, even just like I was saying, we're going back and forth with somebody else. It's just like, okay, you're not even bothered to listen or read. It's just like, so there's no point furthering this conversation because you are yeah. not in the same mindset. We didn't come here with the same goal. Yeah. Yeah. You're just not even open to the, you just want to fuss with me. Right. And I, I refuse, I refuse to fuss with you online. Right. I used to give three chances, man. I said, okay, the first chance is the introduction. And this is just me being the teacher that I am. Here's the introduction. Second one, facts. Here are the facts. Here's what was stated. No opinions. No, I feel, I believe. No, these are the facts. This is it. And then the third one was, let's go back to the facts. The facts state this, 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 and this. And after the third one, I would quit. Man, I just quit on one now. I can tell from that paragraph if you just there to be a troll or are you really there to understand? And if you're really there to listen, to like get empathy or sympathy or to, to have a different perspective, then, then let's go for it. We can have a conversation. But 99% of the times online, nah, man, they just want to argue. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm good. I, I can tell you, and I felt bad that it happened. Uh, it was in this other, another Discord chat I'm in. Um, and, and I wasn't sure until I started talking to this other person 
until they start saying other stuff. It's just like, oh, you're not from America. Because they start talking and you can tell where they got some of their news from because they were saying stuff like, well, if you guys have been trying for so long, how come, you know, things are getting better? I'm just like, oh, so you're also young and ignorant because you're saying stuff <laughs> without any context of, of what you're, you're just to have these talking points. And they brought up, we'll say Detroit, Chicago, one of the two. Chicago. Well, yeah. Solid and Chicago. Chicago. And they talked about, you know, people always dying. I was just like, I live in St. Louis. We've been either one or two murder capital of the U.S. for years. Mm -hmm. Chicago's not even close to us. Not at close, not at all. And I was, and I just threw that out there, and I, they were just like, and you could tell, uh -huh. you could tell they had nothing. Just like, I just want to come on here and do this. Uh -huh. I was like, you the one that made this political. Yeah, you the and one that made And I'm like, and I just wanted to see what exactly you were talking like, and and you know, how did you get to these things that clearly you don't live in this country, and you're bringing up things without any context or whatever. So I'm giving you context and you're rejecting it. It's like, well, why mm -hmm. are you rejecting this thing that you clearly don't have the same perspective of it as I do? And then just the whole breakdown and then the, the you know, the administration is like, okay, you know, we're, you know, this this particular chat is not for that. You know, go to the other <laughs> things. And I was like, well, no, I'm, I'm sorry. It's like, I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't mean for it to go out. The, they were like, no, you're good. The other yeah. person, because because I think at one point they threatened me, mm. and so then that's when the person stepped in. It was like you need to chill, yeah. and it was just like it's like that's one of the clear signs of what, when you have nothing else to go with. Man, I'll do whatever. It's just like or you won't because you're over there and I'm over here. Yeah, and if your first, if your default is to well, I'm going to impose physically physical harm on you, then you've lost the argument. Yeah, you, you, keyboard what, thugging. Right, keyboard what, thugging. Come what, on, man. Whatever, whatever the conversation was, you lost. It's like because I wasn't even trying to win. I was just trying to figure out what and just trying to explain different things. So it was like, oh, would you? You're, for lack of a better term, I, I, I didn't say this at the time because I, because I also tried to go in without insulting people. Because once you start throwing out insults, then yeah, everything they shut else down. Goes. Yeah, but this, but this idiot. Didn't, didn't care about any of that, but um, I know you you brought up uh, Avid Elementary. It's a show I love. Me and my wife catch up on it. There was critical thinking. There was an episode, and it was funny because as soon as this person came on screen and started talking, I was like, I can't wait for my wife because she had to stop watching. I was like, I can't wait for her to stop because she used to work at a charter school here in St. Louis uh, called uh, Confluence Academy. There's different Confluence Academies across the, the city, whatever. Um, and I was like, when she finally got to it, I'm like, this reminds me of a father that you said came in your classroom. It was his black father who was just like, he didn't like the fact that uh, Jacob, the white teacher, was teaching black history. Okay, hold on, hold on. I haven't seen the last three episodes. Okay, so, so I, I, I may I, I may not be able to contribute as much. Uh, but go ahead. The only reason I I don't like waiting week to week. Yeah, we. I'm over it. Over that. Now. <laughs> I'd rather just wait until there's about eight of them and then watch all eight. So yeah, we we binged a lot of them, but yeah. But basically, it was this thing of critical thinking. There's a white teacher. Te there's a white teacher teaching black history, and he didn't like that. Okay. And and I'll wait for you to go. I'll wait for you to to, to see the episode yourself. But I loved some of the things he was talking about, 
And one of the things was the thing of that the even the even black people have fallen into the hole of of Malcolm X and Dr. King being some type of rivals or some type of whatever. It's like, yeah, they had different, they had opposing thoughts. It's like, but they had a lot of thoughts that were also, you know, uh more agreeable. Yeah. And it's like they weren't they they weren't the way that we put football teams like oh they hate each other it's like no that's not you know the way it was and and I just love that and there was a statement uh, that someone made which is like yeah it's funny that you have an issue with him teaching it this month to where he teaches about Black history all year round it's funny that now you have an issue with it mm-hmm. and it and it does once again ha- have this we have this thinking of. Well, if it's black history, it should be taught by a black person to where that's it's another thing of kind of exclusion because it's saying, well, white people participated in, you know, civil rights marching. It's just like, you know, if they we get mad when they don't know something, but now we have somebody who does have the information and is properly teaching it, and we're saying we don't want them to teach it. Yeah. It's like, so we want them to learn it, but we don't want them to teach it. And it's just like, and at that point, it's like you hadn't even checked to see what your child was learning before you yeah. made. And what's it was, it was like what you were saying with the parents before, you're not even seeing what is being taught before you already came up with the conclusion that something's wrong. Yeah. And, and it's, it's such a slippery slope um, for several reasons. First, in all of the population of America, Black folk are only 13%. So we're not going to ever be in all of the schools. (laughs) We're not going to ever be all of the teachers. That only happened during segregation. And although there are some political areas where they are trying to resegregate, the majority of our country is never going to go there again. So chances are the students are going to have teachers who may or may not look like them. And this is why it's so important to have culturally responsive teaching and learning. Yes, if I, as a Black man, elementary teacher, am teaching a a classroom full of 34, 35 students, they will instantly pick up my vibe because my nuances connect to their nuances at the house. The way I say dope, they're going to know what dope is. And they're going to say dope isn't a drug. They're going to say dope means lit, fresh, hype. Right. The way they say fit, and if I use fit in a sentence or cap, they will know because they are used to that culture. What's, what's the phrase, a commonality of language? And it's the same way if we had a a Hispanic uh, educator and the school was full of our Hispanic babies or our Hispanic students, they're just going to pick up on it. And the reason why I say this is such a fine line is because there are some teachers who fully acknowledge that they are white in a different setting. And so what they do is that they love on those students where those students are. They don't try to appropriate the culture. They are just themselves like a Jacob in that setting. 
And by them being their authentic self, they get the respect because they're not trying to be someone who they are or are not. Right. And, and they're kids, just being themselves. And kids can pick up on that. They rather you. Oh yeah. Even if you're even if you're square, they will pick up on it and appreciate the fact that you're still being yes. honest with them about who you are. Then yes. somebody try to come in and use their link. It's just like it doesn't even come. It doesn't even sound right coming out of your mouth. Yep. And like yep, and they, can, they can tell. Right. Parents can too. Yeah. yeah. And it would know it, and it doesn't even have to be Jacob. It could be a Janine. It's like cause she doesn't talk like that. And right. if, and then she did it'd be like, but that's not who you are. Yes. And and, and, it, I and it comes think that's why I love what one of man, one of the things I've been chewing on is so since I you know get to do these conferences and things like that, they yeah. always ask for like those breakout sessions, and those breakout sessions are very fun because man, the sky's the limit. You can you can create any type of of class session and dig into it. And one of the ones that I've been chewing on is doing an Abbott Elementary session because every time I watch that show, my wife and I watch that show. Every episode so far, I've said our school has done that. Right. I know a teacher who's been, I know a kid just like that and can almost identify the student's names or the parent's name or, or the teacher's name. Um, and what I love about this show, this is, I think, is why it, it is so popular and authentic. Janine is New York. No, no not Janine. Um, uh, who, who's the white lady with the red hair? Oh, um, I can't think of her name, but yeah. The, the, that the, young yeah, lady. Yeah. She as authentic New York as I can think of. She 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 got her ears to the street. I know a lot of teachers who was like that. But that's her. And she's not trying to be uh like Shirley Ralph, even though they're really good friends. Right. She knows that her lane is that and she's gonna stay in it. Shirley Ralph is church mom. She know her lane is that she gonna stay in it. Janine is happy go lucky and always happy and always smiling, and that is her lane. She gonna stay in that. Um, she, she's learning to try to stay in that lane because because I remember like the first season it was her trying to, um, you know, kind of appropriate different styles, and I think that's a lesson in and of itself. Absolutely, you, you can look at you can look at somebody and admire what they do and saying yep. There's... And every teacher has gone through that. Every yeah. teacher, year one, you get in a new setting and you're saying, okay, where's my little spot that I can plug in? Okay, I like this style. I'm going to try to teach like them because that person is popular. Man, it, every, every teacher, every leader too, every administrator has gone to a school and said, I can't be my authentic self yet because I'm still learning this thing. Absolutely. I think that's why I, I like this show, man. That show is, is really good. But even comedians, when comedians start out, the the most comedians that we love now mm -hmm. grew up on somebody like a Richard Pryor or a yeah. um, Red Fox. And they're just yep. like, and when you hear early, their early standup, it is them mimicking them because they haven't yet found them. Found them, yeah. But even like, when, you, when you see them later on, you still see shades of, oh, they got that from that, and they just perfected it in their own voice. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. I, it's always interesting to see that that type of thing going on. Actors the same way. Yes. Tom Hanks, when he first started, he was buddy cop type of movie. Yes. Turner and Hooch. He was he was he was that big. Oh, just enough. 
and then he developed into more. Yeah, it just everybody's trying to find their voice, uh, and I, that's why I appreciate all of our non-black educators yeah. who are teaching in the hood, who are teaching in urban areas, who are in these spaces where they're the minority. As long as they're being authentic to themselves, those students, the community is going to love them. Now, the problem is when they become a part of the school and then they try to be like a savior. Uh, and I've I've seen that quite a bit where they try to win the students over with gifts, with shoes, with whatever. And the students are way too smart for that. The students, like you said, the students know when you're real versus when you fake. Right. And the parents know it too. And they they will let you know. <laughs> and then your feelings are hurt. Because you, you're you trying to figure out why aren't you connecting with the students? It's because you're not your authentic self. Yeah. I have a feel. Here's, here's my prediction. Like I said, we're about four or five episodes of, no, we're about three or four behind. Somewhere in Abbott Elementary's art, uh, Janine, that's the, that's the main character, right? Yeah. Yeah. She's going to get jaded. And she's going to lose that perkiness, that happiness, that smile that I believe all kids, she's going to lose that somewhere in her arc. Mm -hmm. And the only reason I say that is there are a lot of teachers who deal with that, yeah. where they, they lose that fire because of some circumstance or something. Uh, so I'm curious to see how they are going to approach that. Also, another prediction is, once again, we were just talking, um, the principal... Yeah. Is going to become a really good principal sometime in this. In I this, need, that's going I, to be her arc. I need you to watch that. I, let me see what, what episode this was. Because thinking about it now, it fits perfectly into what you were talking. It fits perfectly within your, uh, you know, your your real videos. Uh, something that she says about education. I'm trying to see. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. Excuse me, everyone. I'm I'm looking up on Hulu right now, real quick. To see what was the episode, what was the one we just watched? Okay, that was fire that we're on now. Uh, oh, fire is the last one. Uh, do, 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 do. Valentine's, I didn't know we caught up. It's It was the Valentine's Day episode. Okay. So that is the one to where whenever you do watch that, especially at the end, um, she gives an she has a comment about her education mm. okay. and different things that she's learned even at her age and that is something that can be um applied like like even to that uh that kevin hart speech from mm -hmm. my class and it's something that i think um plays well into that um the shut up listen part. Have you watched uh the fight episode? Uh-uh. There's two, this pretty much what it is. There's some students who have a problem, and Janine, she was just like, you know, she reflected back on how she deals with conflict because she's not comfortable being uncomfortable. And instead mm. of solving, stepping in to solve something, she just left it up to them because she'd rather it just be over than to do whatever. And I think that's also like a good thing of like, okay. You know these people don't like each other. Why don't they like each other? And then two people who are ready to to throw hands, they're just like, we start talking and we realize we have a lot of things in common. 
Ah. So, you know, and so I think there's so much, and you know what I find, you know, some of the best comedy, some of the best comedy is comedy that is relatable. It can be yes. absurd, but it still has to have that 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 nugget of, of truth in it. And one hundred percent agree. Yeah. yeah. I love where, they, like I said, I love where the series is going because they have so much content from which they could pull. Oh, God, yes. I mean, <laughs> I, I even remember, and it, it makes no sense that I did this now that I I, I learned a little more. Uh, first season, first episode, I slid into uh, all of Abbott Elementary writers DMs, said, <laughs> I am a teacher. I could give you 12 great stories right now that would be great for this show. I got no, I was left on red. I'm sure that they 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 saw it some way, but I mean, once again, you can't unsolicitedly just right. give. Yeah. Um, but I think that's why it 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 hits home because most times when you think of schools or a school show, everything works out perfectly. And what this show is showing so far, the only other show I've ever seen that do this uh, was Boston Public. And it was a Fox show way wow, back yeah. in the day. Yeah. And they showed the gritty and the real of what school looks like from a high school perspective. The good, the bad, the ugly. They showed it. And I love that show because that show was just about as real as what I could remember. Uh, this one, they're doing the same way, but they're just adding some comedic moments. Uh, here, there, in between to keep it light. But yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see um, how all of the characters' arc will develop because, yeah, there, there's a lot of, there's a lot of meat on that bone, man. A lot yeah. of meat on that bone. Yeah, did you, um, I'm trying to think, have you seen the episode with um... God, I can't think of his name right now. Uh, Odom Jr.? He's a singer. He was on uh Leslie Odom Jr. There's Hamilton I was, guy. Yeah, I can't think okay. of his first name. He was on the episode of there. Okay. Yeah. So he, I haven't seen that one yet either. Then. It, and I, I picked up on it because I I'm you know, I don't follow any of them, but I, I've liked enough stuff to where their their posts come up in my timeline on Instagram. Uh -huh. Um he plays because apparently him and Sarah Lee Ralph have done plays together. Oh, makes all the sense in the yeah. world. <laughs> <laughs> Which I didn't know she could sing. I didn't know. All oh, I really? Knew, She's it, the original dream girl. I didn't know that woman could sing. All I knew was that she was the stepmama of Moesha. That's the only yeah. thing I knew of her. But, gotcha. But, but that, that also goes to our limited perception of things of like, if I don't see you on TV, then you're obviously not doing anything to where other people just like, no, number yeah. one, there's a lot, there's a lot of TV shows out there that just are being marketed to you. Mm -hmm. Two, a lot of people just enjoy doing plays. A lot of people come from the stage. And so they a lot of times enjoy doing that as opposed to yeah. the Hollywood. Because, the bus. Yeah. Right, because it, it it is more, I don't say authentic because I don't disrespect, you know, whatever, but it is a more think of this is what the person wrote. This is mm -hmm. what we're gonna do. It's not a bunch of people putting their hands in it and saying, oh, I want to change this. I want to change this. And it, to where it's no longer, which is ironically, I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> Going to another topic of changing things that pass what the intended author 
meant for but yeah you see that and hear that a lot in yeah the Hollywood. theater the 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 live audience you know right then if the joke lands if the song is good if the script is written right if the spacing and the blocking is there like you get that immediately in theater you'll see that in the story but after it's premiered in tv right um yeah, I I knew about her. She she was the original Beyonce in Dreamgirls in on Broadway. Um the original Jennifer Hudson, her name is Jennifer Holiday. Okay, I have I, I, yeah. I remember that one. And then the third lady is our favorite mama. some issues with zoom and my storage so to cut us off there uh you can reach me at bold expressions on both twitter and instagram bld expressions once again bld expressions on both twitter and instagram bold expressions podcast on youtube uh bold expressions at gmail sorry bold expressions the number four at gmail.com um you can reach andre at uh his youtube page on um his instagram all that good stuff i'll put the descriptions in the uh <laughs> i'll put the I'll put his links in the description uh thank you all for listening tune in next week for the second part of this uh conversation which is going really great i hope you guys enjoyed it thanks for all the people who listen who spent their time listening and paying attention and supporting i greatly appreciate it uh, I hope to put out more content that you enjoy and want to share and get other people to listen to. Uh, have a good day, good morning, good evening, whenever you're listening to this. And as always, don't be so busy to prove your point that you forget your purpose. Mm-hmm.